welcome to Hemispheres. Uh, welcome, Tori. Yeah. And welcome to our guest, Andrew. Hello. Uh, hello, uh, who we met uh, when we were biking by the observatory at the HR McMillan Planetarium. And Andrew was kind enough to let us in. He was showing uh, people, uh, um, I forget what, what was it? Uh, was it Jupiter? I forget what we were looking at, but you you were showing a group of people something through the telescope, and we asked you if we could come and take a look, and you let us in, and we chatted with you, and now you've agreed to be on our podcast, Hemispheres. So thank yeah, you for that. No, no, thanks for having me. So, so Andrew, I mean, uh, uh, you seem like a, a man of many uh, talents and many uh, different interests. But first off, I mean, how do you describe what you do uh, on a, you know, on a sort of human level to people that ask? What, how would you describe your your kind of life situation and what it is that you do? Because it seems like you do so many things. So how how do you even start that off? Let me. Uh, if someone was to ask me, you know, like what I did, um, you know, generally my first response is always, you know, like a my day job, right? My day job is I, I work for the government. It's kind of boring, but you know, in, in a city like Vancouver, it's kind of what you got to do to pay the bills and, uh, you know, keep a, keep a roof over your head and all that good stuff. You know, um, working down there is it's, it's my side gig, right? It's just what I do on evenings and, uh, some weekends. It's what I do. Um, you know, it's, that's really what it comes down to. And, you know, in the rest of my time, I, I just kind of hang around, you know, I, life isn't always this uh, grand adventure, this, you know, great odyssey, you know, and sometimes it can be, but a lot of the time it's just, you get home from work, you shove your stuff in the dishwasher, you sit down and you, you know, watch random stuff on TV until you realize it's too late and, and you go to bed, right. And you wake up and you do it all again the next day. Um, you know, I, when people always ask, you know, when people ask, you know, what do you do? I'm like, I don't know. I live. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I get by, you know, we do what we have to do. We do what we can. Um, yeah. And that's it. Yeah, I, I think it's a pretty relatable uh, sort of circumstance. Obviously, living in an expensive city like this, we do what we do. But nonetheless, um, you know, I think you probably uh, are minimizing a little bit of uh, how your day to day experience might be because you you seem to have such a beautiful mind. Uh, obviously, meeting you at the planetarium um would you say that you're uh, constantly thinking about space or just the universe and the nature of how we got here? Or is that me romanticizing, uh, you know, Andrew that we met in a planetarium? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think you're romanticizing it right. You know, it it's a good escape from, you know, the tedium, right? You know, we all work jobs that, you know, not all of us are absolutely enamored with, you know, the jobs that really put money on the table. Um, so it's always good to have, you know, other things that, you know, you can think about and ponder and, uh, you know, really, you know, dig your teeth into, if you will. Um, so uh, I don't know if, you know, it, it was it's not like and it's funny because one of the things that, that popped into my head when you were saying that was like, uh, it's almost as if there was a different me who was doing that. Um, and sometimes it kind of feels like that, right? You know, whenever mm -hmm. we're doing our own different things, um, it kind of, you know, feels like we all put on different masks to suit wherever we are. 
um, you know, of course, you know, when I'm down there, you know, I'm a little bit more high energy. I'm a little bit more, you know, like X, Y, Z, but it's not like I'm putting on, you know, you know, I'm not, I'm not performing a lie. Right. You know, I am excited about all these things. Um, but you know, it's also, uh, I think a lot of it as well is coming up with, you know, when you're in the zone doing, you know, what you enjoy doing on the side, it's almost like you don't, you don't really think about it. Right. You just, it, you say what you say and people react and that feeds what you do and so on and so forth. Right. It's a, like a, the self-sustaining reaction. It just keeps going as long as, you know, the reagents are there and everything works. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I, it's a good point to bring up where it's kind of like, you know, maybe I am selling myself a little bit short, but I always try to sell myself a little bit short. I feel like it's a little <laughs> bit more, uh, it's a little bit more honest in a sense. Um, you know, nice. one thing that you get a lot of at the space center is people who will, you know, ask like, oh, what do you, uh, you know, what did you, you know, what physics did you do in university? Um, and my response is I did zero physics. I, I did not, <laughs> I did not do physics. Um, you know, like my, my background, my academic background is, is professional communications, right? Um, I never, you know, in grade 11, I barely, I think I got a 52 in math, right? Math is, was not my, was not my happy place, but science and theory and all that was. Um, and so, you know, fast forward a bunch of years and things work out in funny ways. Yeah, it's, yeah, things, things do work out in funny ways, but I also think, you know, um, like you, like any one of us has, I certainly made choices, uh, deliberate choices along the way. And I'm, I'm curious about the reasoning behind those choices of why you wanted to study the thing you wanted to study and why you, you know, uh, spend your time in the planetarium where, where that sort of, you know, that's a choice to, to come home after your day job and then also do that as another job. And like, you know, and it doesn't sound like it's just like you could do a lot of other things to to make money. Um, is that it sounds like also the combination of communications, uh, uh, maybe a lack of good communications from people who do study physics, like myself, um, knowing people who become very entrenched in what they study in sciences and not know how to tell anybody else about what that the meaning of that is. Is that something that you found interesting is that is that something that's part of your decision making and choices that you've made to spend the balance of your time doing these kind of things i mean i think well you know let, let's go at it from this you know from this point here um you know the entire reason i work there right uh, i've always liked space you know ever since i was a kid right um you know born and raised in vancouver you know the the, the space center and the planetarium or you know you end up there on field trips for birthday parties you know you you pass by it when you're crossing the Burrard Bridge uh, you see it off in the distance and it's it's always kind of there and so it's always been kind of there for me as well but because I've always liked space and science and stuff like that it's been a, a more you know a more interesting place than it is to some people you know like some people get a kick out of art museums uh, some uh, art galleries some people get a kick out of museums right some people get a kick um, you know, out of rock climbing, right? And for me, it's it's space, right? So for me, that is, 
the place. And so parlaying that into, you know, what I studied, uh, you know, I originally, after I graduated from high school, I originally bounced around in health sciences, um, pondered becoming a nurse and eventually decided not to do that. Um, 180, I went to, uh, I went to broadcasting school, uh, got my diploma doing that, worked, you know, in news media for a few years. Um, and then after that, I kind of figured, well, I already got half of my degree. I might as well get the other half of it. Um, you know, employee employers like that kind of stuff. So um, and went back to school after a few years and finished my degree. Um, and after that, I, you know, initially I just, I needed a job just to tide me over. And so, you know, I was able to land a government job and, you know, it's been more than two years since then. Right. And so uh, on the side, I know I wanted to always keep something going, you know, at least something that I can look forward to, um, you know, because I think I can speak for a lot of people when they say that a generic office job isn't exactly the most riveting and fun thing on the planet. Um, you know, something to, you know, really look forward to. And for me, it was, you know, I, I've always kind of wanted to work at the space center. Um, even as like, you know, a teenager and a, and a young adult, um, I would go, you know, every year, at least maybe every year and a half, I would go at least once or twice. Um, it was just a cool place to be. And, you know, one day I looked on the website just because it was at the point where I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do after, um, you know, I quit my old job and I was kind of, you know, weighing, going back to school, working on the side. Um, and I figured I might as well take a look and, you know, they were hiring. And so I was like, you know what? Sure. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll toss my hat in the ring and we'll see what happens. Uh, fast forward a bit. And I've been there for, you know, a year and a bit. Um, and it's, you know, I, I always describe to people, it's, you know, the old cliche where, you know, love what you do and you never work in a day, uh, never work a day in your life. Right. Um, I feel like that does kind of actually apply here because, you know, going to work doesn't really feel like work in the sense when it's down there, uh, because I can do what I want to do. Right. I can talk about the stuff that I want to talk about. I can enjoy the things that I enjoy, right? So it's weird in a sense that, of course, communication plays into it because, you know, as you mentioned, right, you know, uh, there's a reason why science communication is a thing, right? Because, you know, a lot of, a lot of scientists, not just physicists, but a lot of scientists, uh, usually their brain power goes into their work, right? Their brain power doesn't necessarily go into figuring out the easiest way to communicate that to other people, even if that is an integral part of what they do, which I think it is. Um, so communication, in a sense, isn't exactly what I wanted to do. It just it's a convenient vehicle for what I want to do. It just happens to work out that what I like to do and what I ended up going to school for, I can make them work together. Um, so kind of a long winded answer to a to that, you know, to that bit of a question. But you know, can I ask, uh, delve in deeper onto like what what are the things that you actually do enjoy about working at the space center? About thinking about space and talking about it? Are is there something specific like from childhood um, that you're always just fascinated about? Is there is it about uh, life? The possibility of life on other worlds is just possibility. Just the vastness of it. Is there like are there certain like just ideas that you are just fascinated by that you want to tell people about? 
I mean, is it a cop out to say everything? Right. <laughs> I mean, um, no, totally not. It because it it very much is like you know, space is it's just the thing that I like. You know, there's nothing about it that I can specifically say. It's like, oh, this is the exact thing. You know, of course, yeah. you know, specific interest. You know waxes and wanes you know over time it changes right you know some weeks i'll be super into you know uh the world of you know the private space industry is extremely exciting right um some days it'll be you know i'll be super into you know space history right you know um one of the things that i always like to tell people is that you know the very first images from another world that we got weren't of mars they were venus uh and it wasn't the americans it was the soviets Right. And of course, in the process of obtaining those photos, we learned that Venus is kind of a crappy place to put things. Um, and that's why we didn't really send much after that. But, um, you know, sometimes it's that sometimes it is, you know, the prospect of life elsewhere in the universe. Sometimes it's the Fermi paradox, right? The question of, you know, if statistically life should be everywhere, why don't we see it? Right. Um, and it just goes all over the place. Right you know every single day it feels like you know it's something else and usually what changes it or what really modifies that a lot of the time is is other people right is people who ask questions is people who want to know more about certain things um because for me it's all cool right it's all just something that i could speak on forever and ever um you know, from far away where you have to view these kinds of things, it's kind of hard to pick a favorite. But when you're in the moment talking to somebody, suddenly whatever you're talking about becomes what you're interested in. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I think that that might be true for a lot of people when it comes to their passions. You know, um, you always end up meeting these people who, you know, they they have a passion and it doesn't really seem that way until you ask them about it. And then suddenly you know, the floodgates open and seven hours have passed and you want to go home, but you can't. Um, right. So I kind of feel like that's how it is for me. You know, just being there allows me to do that. Right. It allows me to subject random members of the public to my uh, long winded bloviation. Right. Uh, and I get paid to do it, which is a nice bonus. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. It's 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 super cool, Andrew. I mean, uh, I can just hear your enthusiasm. Um, just opening the door a little bit. As uh, if we could rewind back a little bit into your um your childhood, were you a would how would you describe yourself as a child? Were you a very curious child? Were you more sort of uh, were you very social? Were you more sort of uh, interested in spending time alone? And uh, do you see any relation to how you are now? with how you were as a child or do you think you've changed a lot? I think as a child, you know, growing up, um, I was very much, you know, like a social chameleon. Right. Um, in a lot of senses, I, I didn't really care who I was. I, you know, whatever was the flow, I just, I just kind of went with it. And that was something that I learned from an early age. Um, you know, Curiosity wise, I, I, I feel like I was probably, you know, right down the slot in the middle. You know, mm. I, there are definitely kids who are way more, you know, um, into certain things than I was. And there are certainly kids who are way more listless in certain things than I was. Um, you know, I don't think I really stood out as a kid, um, except for the fact that, you know, I was, of course, you know, as I find a lot of people who are in 
you know, positions where part of their job is, you know, de facto entertainment. Um, I was always that one kid who would get in trouble, right? Because I'd always be like, you know, trying to make people laugh or uh, trying to stop people from doing their work because I was like, why, why do you want to do that? This is dumb. Let's do something else. Um, <laughs> you know, like I was, you know, I've sent to the principal's office more than a few times because I, you know, I couldn't stop laughing about something like innocuous and stupid or, um, you know, one time I was sent to the principal's office because I picked up a stick and I guess that was reason. Um, you know, it, once you kind of have that reputation for being, you know, I, w- I don't, I wouldn't say troublemaker because I didn't really ever make trouble. Right. But, you know, as a kid, you know, you kind of feel like it's, you know, teachers were always against you kind of deal. Um, I kind of felt like they thought that I was a troublemaker. Um, and maybe I was, you know, I, I was a kid, you know, my, my, my sense of self-identity isn't nearly as good as it, as it was, uh, as it is now, as it was back then. Um, but I, I kind of feel like I was kind of right down the middle. You know, I I liked a lot of different things, but not generally too much. Uh, space, whenever, you know, we did like a you know, space unit in science, I was always that was always really cool. But, you know, I also really like history, right? I also really like, you know, health sciences, right? I also really like sports. I also really like, you know, I like all these different things. And I think we all like all these different things. And it gets kind of weird trying to split apart what you like and what you love and maybe that's just me though um you know i know people who you can ask them what they love doing and they can you know without any hesitation you know spit it out and you know give a the thesis defense worth of um you know a speech about it uh but for me it's kind of like there's lots of different stuff that i like and you know i think that might be linked to you know i kind of just tried to fit in wherever i was as a kid right um you kind of pick up on you know being accepted and all that as all right well i gotta just kind of meld in either you know mix into the uh you know mix into the batter or you know live in the shadows right one or the other and so i kind of played double duty doing that yeah go ahead yeah i'm i'm curious like with the uh i mean the let's let's say you were saying earlier like the the job the day job let's say that you have um it's mostly, let's say, to to pay the bills and and to get by, and the time at the planetarium is you feel uh, much more kind of an, an enriching experience for you. Um, is there is there like could you imagine a scenario where hypothetically, like, would you if if resources weren't an issue that you would would you just spend your time at the planetarium? Would you spend your time doing that and other things? And what sort of things could you, you know, would you like to, given your, it sounds like, yeah, you're interested in so many other things. Um, let's say you had, you had the resources you needed um, to get by. What would you like to be doing that, let's say you're not able to do right now? Well, I mean, you know, if you know money and whatever wasn't an object, I would totally work at you know at the planetarium, or I would totally work at you know. Let's go with the planetarium because I would you know I've you know I've said you know, if you know, the economy and the world wasn't the way that it was, you know I would absolutely try and do that as just my job because I think that would be something that I could you know, uh, wake up and not feel dread doing. Right. And I think a lot of us kind of feel that with our day jobs where, you know, you kind of 
it's not exactly what you want to do. We wake up and we're just kind of like, oh God, here we go again. Right. You know, you got to punch in your seven and a half hours and then slog home. Um, but, you know, what would I rather be doing? You know, um, it's, I always tell people, you know, like I've never been good at school, right? School is just not good for me. Um, but education and learning, that's always been good. And right. School is not learning. Right. That's one thing I always tell people. It's like you can really love learning, but you can hate school with a with a with a fiery passion. And I feel like I fall into that camp. Um, you know, all things being equal, if I had the ability, I would you know, I'd probably spend a lot of my time learning, right? Learning about what? Oh, whatever, you know, struck my fancy at the moment. Right. Because mm -hmm. I feel like there's a lot of value in that. Um, and in a kind of funny way, it you know total tangent but in a funny way people are saying you know when you ask people from the 50s or 60s what they thought the future would look like they'd be like robots would be doing all the hard work and humans would have all the time in the world to pursue the arts and philosophy and all that kind of stuff and and of course with with ai slowly becoming a bigger and bigger part of our lives now um these kind of thoughts are coming back but you're seeing them less in this all of their time will be will be freed up to do arts and philosophy and now you're seeing oh the ai will do the arts and philosophy will work the fields until we die um, right. and it's a kind of funny uh or maybe depressing either one uh flip if you will of how things have gone and so i really do think though that given you know no obligations beyond you know myself i would absolutely spend my time just thinking right just learning just doing stuff just experiencing things um because we're here right that's that's all we can do right you know work and bills and everything like that get in the way um of learning and experiencing things um not always but as a rule of thumb i tend to believe it's true um yeah yeah it's it's like these are the discussions we're having with a lot of people just how uh, the systems we've kind of inherited and that we're living in. Um, yeah, we're all sort of grappling with them and trying to navigate them as best as we can. Um, but again, this kind of um, awe and wonder and curiosity as to how we come to exist at all, you know, this is really what drives me a lot is just, I just think it's amazing that we're alive at all, you know? And then when you get together with people like you, Andrew or, or Airfan, who you guys are, you know hyper curious about the the sky um it's exciting to be around because through this thinking and through this kind of exploration uh we also get to sort of understand ourselves better and so i guess when you're looking at the sky i know you said you're interested in everything but do you have um sort of have you had any insights about yourself personally just through this kind of exploration of of the universe do you think you've understood yourself a little bit better um just by doing the thinking i think yeah you know a hundred percent i i think that and here's you know another one of those universal truths is that you know we are the exact same thing as the universe right chemically and elementally we are made of the same stuff right um and one of the things that i always impress on people and of course i have to borrow the words of carl sagan because he he did it best um but you know we are the universe's way of knowing itself 
right? Um, all of the stuff that makes up the stars and the planets and comets, meteors, everything. It's the same as us. We're just arranged in a different way. Um, so coming to grips, if you will, with that, um, coming to grips with the fact that, you know, problems that, you know, of course may actually be huge problems, you know, um, but in the grand scheme of things, you know, we're specks of dust riding on a speck of dust orbiting around an average star in a smallish galaxy, one of hundreds of billions of galaxies, right? Um, it really is just kind of, you lose yourself in the insignificance of, you know, of it all. It's like, geez, I am, you know, I, you know, we all have to work our butts off to live the lives that we live. And yet there's so much more out there. Um, so I think that a lot of, you know, what we do with our time and a lot of how we view, you know, the universe and space and all that, um, can help all of us learn a little bit more about ourselves because I think a lot of people, when they realize how, you know, I don't want to say insignificant because I don't want to sound like I'm slagging anyone. Um, but when you all realize how insignificant you are, suddenly the things, some of the stuff that was bugging you is suddenly like a whatever, right? You know, it'll, it'll pass, right? These things will, will come and they'll go. Um, and I feel like, and this is another re thing that I always tell people, um, it's important to, you know, accept the science because, you know, it's our tool to understand the universe, our tool to understand reality. Um, and it is our most accurate tool. And so why shouldn't we use it? Um, but don't also deny what you feel about things. Now, it's also important to say, don't conflate what you feel with what you know. These are different things. Um, but a lot of people, you know, and bringing it back to the observatory, you know, I, the number of times I've seen people who've never seen the planets with their own eyes, you know, step up to the telescope and they go, wow. Right. And that's a big moment, right? For a lot of people, that's the first time in their lives that they've had, you know, a real, in a sense, personal connection to the world beyond the cubicle, right? To the world beyond the four walls of your apartment, right? Um, suddenly, you know, Jupiter or Saturn, like these giant planets aren't just images in textbooks or social media or, um, you know, they're real. They're in front of you, right? You could almost reach out and grab them if you tried really hard. Um, that's what it feels like. And I feel like for a lot of people, and some more than others, for some people it's an extremely spiritual experience where they're like, holy crap. You know, like suddenly the solar system is a real thing to them. Um, and that's something that I think is really important that you know, in order for all of us, I think, to stay sane, we need to find these moments in the world because uh, they don't come around all that often. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, I think I enjoy space so much is because it really does help to literally put things in perspective. You know, we don't all, you know, we come home and we complain about our, you know, our coworkers or our managers or, you know, a guy who cut me off in traffic or, you know, my bus was three minutes late. You know, we complain about these things and they're annoying and they can be problematic for sure. 
Um, but I think it's also important and it's grounding to re remember and realize that we're part of something more, right? And part of something more isn't, you know, kooky cult talk for, um, you know, give me, you know, $26,000 and I'll give you a fancy necklace that says you're part of this cult. Um, <laughs> it's as simple as looking up in the night sky, right? Um, and thinking about how we got here and where we're going and what everything is. Um, and it's a big question. And that's why I think it's a great question because it's so big. You can ask it every single night. And I think if you live a hundred years, you will never find an answer. Um, and I think that's just the coolest thing. And that, that's so, uh, I mean, it's, it's fascinating to think about the insignificance of it all. Um, but also like you mentioned, Venus and, uh, everything we know about all the other planets, of course, in our solar system and, we're searching for planets like Earth everywhere else. But, you know, obviously we have the best habitable place right here for life that evolved here, us. And do you also think about, I'm just curious how you, how you think about, how you feel about time and space, um, how you feel about the idea of the, the sort of rarity of what we have here and the finiteness of, of life here, of what we have, or, how, or maybe you don't feel about it in a finite way and 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 the time we have and the and and how we should how we should spend that time you know should we spend it going to these day jobs and and uh, and how do we connect that idea of the vastness insignificance of of us compared to you know the the number of things out there to you know the the fact that this is kind of probably all we have. Um, you know, we can colonize Mars and all these things, but really like this is, nothing is going to be as good as here, at least for a long time, you know? Um, so how do you connect those ideas and how does it, how does it affect your, your view of everything, you know, of how you do things and yeah, time and space. I mean, uh, time and space, you know, what we do you know with the time that we have right ultimately because of the very same rules and laws that govern the universe we also have the ability to decide what we want to do with that time right you know we're all in a sense on the clock right and the clock is always ticking and so i think you know, what we do with our time, I mean, how, you know, how do you want to use your time, right? Um, because you can, there is a lot of people who, you know, find complete and utter satisfaction in their day jobs, in their cubicle work, in whatever it is they do. Um, and to them, there's nothing more correct than that. And I don't see a reason to go against that, right? Um, you know, we've been in a sense given, you know, the gift of consciousness. Sometimes it feels like a curse. Um, but we have this tool, we have this ability, uh, and I think it's only right that we get to decide what to do with it, right? Each ourselves. Um, I don't really believe in the whole, you know, like we have, you know, some glory bound higher duty to do anything. Um, 
And I think that's also kind of freeing if you're able to kind of drop yourself from the whole idea that like, oh God, I've got, you know, I've got only so much time. I have to do all these different things. And it's like, yeah, maybe, but you know, your existence in itself is the result of such extreme statistical improbability um, that really anything you do, I think is good as long as it's, you know, not, you know, wantonly destructive or anything like that. Um, so it's such a hard question to, to try and summarize because what are the connections? The connections are whatever you want them to be, right? The connections are because we have the ability to, to think on our own, the connections are whatever we want them to be. And I think that's both infuriating and freeing because I don't know if either of you are like me, but like whenever you were given project in school and they were like, there is no subject, you can do whatever you want. I was always like, that's the worst thing you could have told me because I'm going to sit here and not know what to do for several days. Um, and surprise turns out that that is exactly what life is. Um, it's a project where we are not given, you know, a topic. It's kind of, you figure it out and you run with it. So I think that a lot of, you know, what we do with our time and what we do with this place um, are entirely up to us. And, you know, just touching on the notion that, you know, Earth is probably the most habitable place. Well, I mean, by definition, it is the most habitable place um, because we evolved in it, right? The Earth guided our evolution, right? The conditions on this planet have given birth to a species, us, that are uniquely suited to it because that's just how evolution works. Um, we've been given the tools to do whatever we want to do. You know, at, at this point, you know, I always say to people that mother nature is boss, um, but humanity might be the assistant manager, right? You know, we don't really have much power, but you know, we can make things happen, right? You can see, you, you can see the, the, the change that has been happening on earth as a direct result of our actions. Right. You can see the change in the climate over the past hundred years, ever since the Industrial Revolution. Um, and so when people say, well, Mother Nature is the boss, you know, she's be all end all. In some ways, you're right. But in other ways, um, you're completely overlooking the, you know, catastrophic or not, the ability that our species has to mold the world that we live in. Um, and I always tell people that. If we want to explore uh, other worlds, if we want to explore other planets, if we want to send colony ships out, if we want to send these generation ships out into the galaxy to explore for thousands of years, um, it starts now. Because if we don't take care of the only world that we have, and we've demonstrated a capacity to change it in a meaningful way, if we don't take care of it now, then we forfeit the people who come after us from the chance of exploring. If this world is no longer livable, if, you know, if we as humans can't take it, you know, on this planet, earth will be fine, right? It's been fine for 4 billion years, right? Uh, and long after we're gone, it will still be fine until the sun, you know, eats it in about 5 billion years. But for all that time in between, you know, 
not counting some kind of catastrophic, you know, asteroid impact or, um, you know, freak universal accident, uh, the Earth will be fine, right? It's us who we have to worry about. And when I say that to people, and I try to work it into, you know, most things that I do, uh, when I say that to people, you know, I've had people come up to me afterwards and say that that has flipped a switch, right? That like, you know, this is the one planet that we have and it'll be fine, right? You know, we could nuke it to pieces, uh, but life would find a way. It has for 4 billion years um, or three and a bit. But if we want to continue the journey that our ancestors started, you know, 2 million years ago when they left East Africa, um, we have to take care of the world as it is now. Uh, we have to do better by it because right now this is all we have. And our one chance at being, you know, a species that can explore the universe. And for all we know, we might be the only one. Our one chance at that might be ruined by our own, uh, short-sighted selfishness. Right. Um, and some people, you know, are understandably distressed <laughs> by that notion. Uh, but I think the fact that we can think about it and consider it and think of ways to deal with it proves that we're not powerless, right? We have the ability to make these changes. We all individually do. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, yelling from the rooftops until people start to listen. Yeah, beautiful. I, I uh, share your sentiment. Um, just curious, you brought up the world, uh, the word consciousness. Uh, do you have, you want to try and indulge us in your idea of what you think consciousness is? Sure. Um, I think it's just universal serendipity. I think it's just a wonderful coincidence. Um, for all we know, it is simply just the the happenstance results of, you know, electrical signals and chemical communication. Um, maybe it's not the most romantic way to view consciousness, um, but it doesn't, I don't think it has to be for it to be important or to be special. Um, you know, if you were to ask me like, you know, define consciousness, it's like, well, it's the result of electric impulses and, um, you know, the, the processing and communication of neurotransmitters and uh, the input processing and then output of sensory information. Um, but even that kind of feels flimsy because, you know, what we can see, hear, touch, feel, and experience are all extremely limited in comparison to everything that's out there, right? You know, and just to use astronomy as an example, you know, you look at all the, you know, all of the amazing photos that are coming from the JWST, the James Webb Space Telescope, um, these are not things that our eyes could ever see. And not just because we're not living in space with like, you know, mega telescope vision, um, but it's literally light that our eyes and brains can't process, right? So we're constrained in a sense in what we can experience. So I don't think consciousness is this magical thing in the sense that like we've been given this huge gift because it's a very, very limited portion of what's out there. Um, we can experience a small sliver of it, right? We can experience a tiny little bit of it. And, you know, as a species with short lives, 
relatively speaking, you know, the time in which we have to experience these things is also limited. So, you know, we're seeing a fraction of a fraction of the universe for what it is to us. Right. But who's to say that there isn't life out there that exists in higher dimensions or lives for thousands and thousands of years or, um, you know, has some kind of corporeal existence larger than a solar system. Right. Who knows? Like these are literally beyond our comprehension. And knowing that, I think. Is kind of humbling in a sense that you know by a miracle of of evolution happenstance and good old-fashioned backyard chemistry we are on some level equal to all of those things that may or may not exist you know by virtue of being conscious of being able to perceive the world as we do um we really are unique in that sense because and i you know i mentioned it before but uh carl sagan put it best you know we are the universe's way of knowing itself uh, and there's a beauty in that i think um so my take on consciousness is it's well we sure as heck did you know we rolled the dice and it came up pretty good for us um in a way that's all i have to say on that so do you think this, you know, unique consciousness that we have as a species, or perhaps that we think that we have as a species, um, is, and what you said earlier about, you know, this uh, unbelievable statistical uh, randomness that gave rise to us and our ability to have this consciousness and, and live on this planet in this way, in this evolved way, let's say, are, you know, existing, you said, is basically not to put words in your mouth but like something like you know just being is really um an amazing feat on its own that we shouldn't necessarily strive to do you know more with our our limited time um as long as we're not destroying each other and the planet of course and our environment um but do you think because of this unique consciousness and our ability as a species to organize together, not just individually, but collectively, we can do all these things and we've done them. Um, yeah, we can destroy ourselves, but you know, do you think that how we view time and consider how as a species we view time collectively, is that something we should care about given that sort of, like you were mentioning, we are on a track to perhaps go extinct if we continue maybe the way that we are or, or, or just kind of without reflection of a, as a collective group, what we're doing. Um, if every sort of individual automaton does their own thing and doesn't hurt on a local level, um, any anyone or anything, we do seem to have this sort of um, issue of of a more. Uh, planetary wide species having some kind of I don't want to I don't want to like you know make it a, a, a turn it into something like political but or, or economical even yeah there's there's a lot of arguments you made there but just as a just as like a very basic idea of like like let's think of us as a colony of ants like what do we want to do uh, do we want to all do our own separate thing do we want to do it collectively well how do we find that balance mm. um how do you view that I mean 
how we find that balance, that's a good question. You know, I think that a lot of, you know, what we do with, you know, I'll, I'll call it a gift. It's not that anything is giving it to us, um, but, you know, it's pure whimsy. Uh, the gift of consciousness, the ability for us to dictate what we do and how we do it. Um, I don't want to, I, I don't like attaching moral judgment to what we do as a species because morals are subjective. Um, but I do think it would be a shame if, you know, given this gift that we have, that we decide to throw it away in the, in the pursuit of some kind of short-term material gain. Um, of course, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter in the slightest, right? Um, you know, we may very well be, you know, the ants on a picnic blanket for some other, you know, higher level alien species. Who knows, right? We might just be whatever. Um, but we don't know. And because we don't know, I feel like that makes it all the more important for us uh, to think twice about what we do and how we do it and to what end we do it. You know, a lot of what I try to, you know, tell people what I, you know, when people ask me, you know, for my opinion on stuff, I always tell them, well, you've just made a horrible mistake. Um, but also, I always try to remember that because we have this ability to, uh, what's the phrasing, to be... Um, To, you know, to decide what we want to do, right? To, to, we all have that, that ability. I don't think we should be tied to anything in particular, or we should be beholden to something. Um, I think, and this is my opinion, that it is natural to want to do everything we can to preserve what we have, to enhance life for others. Um, that's what I think, and that's what I want to think, is the natural inclination of each and every one of us. Um, you know, we might be individuals, and of course, we all have our own selfish little things, but at the end of the day, humanity didn't evolve as a solitary figure, right? We evolve in social circles, we evolved in groups, we evolved to rely on each other, right? You know, when we look through the human fossil record, um, there's a significant change in when we're able to see that our ancestors began to care for the sick instead of leaving them to die, right? Suddenly things changed. And at that point you could say, perhaps this is where the concept of humanity was born, right? Instead of simply abandoning the weak, instead of simply leaving them to die and letting evolution uh, and Darwin and his glorious role take over, we've instead stopped hunting and put up a fence and took an, and taken care of someone. Um, so I think it's very much in our DNA to do exactly that. Uh, you know, taking care of people, helping people, ensuring that, you know, we provide as good a life as we can to those around us. And even to those who may come in the future, who will never meet. Uh, I think that's part of who we are. And you know, and this starts to get into the question of, you know, are people inherently good? Are people inherently bad? Um, you know, 
how how do we develop and change and those are all you know i could you know i could both speak for hours on those topics and also just kind of be like whatever who cares um <laughs> because really i think that deep down we you know if all things were equal and to kind of bring this back to when we were talking about you know what would you do with your time if you didn't have to pay bills or pay rent or um, have obligations you know if you didn't have to do any of that what would we do you know and for me of course it was art it was science it was thinking it was learning but i think at the you know beyond all that i think it's also just caring for others and i think we all to some extent want to you know some of us you know might not have enough on our plates or you know might not have enough gas in the tank to really you know put that into action you know there have been points in my life where you know like i of course i care for people but sometimes you have to put yourself first right when you're when the plane is going down and the oxygen masks drop there's a reason they tell you to put it on yourself first right mm -hmm. what good are you if you're unconscious right so you know we all have that you know evolutionarily bequeathed desire and drive to care for ourselves first but time and time again while we've seen you know unimaginable acts of cruelty among our species we've also seen unimaginable acts of kindness and selflessness uh, and i want to believe that that's who we are uh, i want to believe that that is a greater or more accurate representation on the whole as a species uh, that we are um so i think that a lot of you know what we can do or who we do it for or even you know what we ought to do with the time that we have i feel like a lot of that does kind of boil down to taking care of one another looking out for one another um being kind right you know being decent um if everything was equal and we all didn't have to work we all weren't stressed out by our jobs we all weren't you know running on the perpetual five and a half hours of sleep um i think we would be kinder i think you would see more i think you would see a greater emphasis placed on on learning on experiencing things because the drive to you know to climb the corporate ladder right the drive to buy a nicer car the drive to you know one up your ex right all of these different things i think would start to pale in comparison to the very natural you know warm fuzzy feeling we get when we help someone when we help others um and perhaps you know uh this sounds incredibly preachy um sure maybe it does um but this is a podcast and if we're not going to sound preachy what's the point of the podcast uh, <laughs> um but you know i i generally do think that we have that ability right we can do that i think at our basic level we care for ourselves first um but you know we don't also immediately after that care only about you know um buying a fancier car right that's nice to have sure but peel back all of peel back society and all the prejudices and all of the inbuilt ways that it gets us to think and act um i think 
you know, in some respects, we would be happier all just kind of chilling out outside, looking at the stars, doing nothing, right? Hmm. Hanging out, you know, talking about whether or not, you know, aliens exist or whether or not uh, we came from another planet or whether or not fill in the blank, right? It's just, it feels more natural that way. Yeah, Andrew, it's it's great. Uh, it's so much to dig into there, but I just love how you think and I love how you articulate yourself. And I guess what, what I would want to um, know from you is with regards to your understanding of sort of, you know, it seems like you have a pretty good understanding of how we got here and the history and 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 our evolution and where we're at. Do you think... And then you're super empathetic and you also seem to be quite a, a very genuinely kind person with a big heart. Um, with regards to the relationship of Andrew and Andrew in the future, um, do you think about what you're becoming or do you think about um, a direction that you see yourself sort of evolving into? Is there... You know, granted, we do have that hundred years. You know, of if uh, if we're also lucky to not um, get hit by a bus or have anything terrible happen to us. You know, how do you think about the future and in relation to yourself as as you're sort of um, navigating this beautiful planet? I mean, I think at the end of the day, if I had to try and you know summarize it in the way like you know, do I have a goal? Do I have an you know, will I, will there be a point where I can look back and say, I did good? Um, that's probably it, right? It's probably just the knowledge that to my brain, and my brain is uniquely suited to me, that I lived a life that I'm satisfied with, you know, that I'm fine with, you know. Um, I'm not necessarily looking for like raucous joy for my entire life because, honest to God, that sounds incredibly exhausting. Um, right. I, you know, when I, when I made the switch from health sciences to broadcast, that was one of the things that I asked myself, I asked myself, when I look back in 40 years, will I be happy because, you know, I'll have made more money or will I be happy because I did something I wanted to actually do? Um, and of course the answer was the latter, you know, when you're in broadcast or radio school, uh, one of the first lessons they teach, um, is actually about parking lots. And when you're, you know, when you pull up to the radio station on your first day of work, you'll notice that there are two different, there's two vehicles in that parking lot, right? There's the Mercedes Benz and there's the bike that's had a tire stolen. And going into radio and broadcast, you are choosing the bike with the stolen tire. Um, and you know, a lot of people were like, oh, oh God, I don't know if I want this anymore. But the fact that I was like, yeah, okay, that seems fine. Um, kind of goes to show, you know, money is nice and all right. Money is, is great because people say, oh, you can't buy happiness. Sure you can. Absolutely. But money in terms of it's buying power to buy happiness, you know, it starts to plateau once you get up enough, right? What's the functional difference between making a billion dollars and making 150 grand a year? kind of starts to lose its meaning after a certain point. Um, so I think there's there's more cachet, there's more value in 
fulfilling yourself in what you do versus what the output of what you do is. Um, and of course, the output of what you do can, of course, be itself fulfilling. You know, like I think that the output of what I do at the Space Center is fulfilling. It is very cool to be able to kind of open people's eyes to the universe, to get them to think a little bit more deeply than they have before about who we are and where we are uh, and what we're learning and what we could learn and where we could go. That is in itself absolutely rewarding, right? So, you know, at the end of the day, I think, you know, if, you know, I'm lucky enough to be completely lucid on my deathbed, if I can look back, and be satisfied with the life that I have lived. You know, could I have made a few extra bucks? Probably, you know, could I have, you know, been kinder to a couple of people? Sure, but I think these are universal truths that all of us would be able to relate to. Um, I just don't want to look back and realize that I have, and I don't want to say this, you know, because um, I don't think this is necessarily true, but I don't want to look back and feel that I've wasted you know, the statistical improbability of my existence, um, chasing something that ultimately doesn't matter. Um, you know, recently I've been listening to um, like a History of Egypt podcast, right? And so a lot of that, of course, is, you know, a big part of what we know about ancient Egypt, of course, comes from the pyramids, comes from these funerary um, rites, passages, and, and, and ceremonies that we can try and understand. And of course, in today's world, we kind of scoff a little bit at the idea of, um, you know, the ancient Egyptians, they stocked the pyramids with jewels, gold, um, with all these things for people to take into the afterlife. Um, of course, it's easy to scoff at that and be like, yeah, well, once you die, you know, you can't take anything with you. Um, first of all, we have no way to know. <laughs> right. And that's one thing that I, I always try to remember. It's you got to keep yourself humble. Um, you never know. Um, but also. I, I kind of always want to remind myself that I want to live a life that if at the end of it all, I go to the grave penniless, that I don't care about that. Right. That it, it doesn't matter that I was able to, you know, be content with what I did. Um, I think there's a lot more value in that than anything else. Um, yeah. Sure. I always also like to, um, you know, you've mentioned a few things like Carl Sagan, people uh, you've you've read and uh, have inspired you. Um, you probably listened to a lot of, it sounds like, interesting uh, podcasts yourself that, you know, relate to history and stuff like that. So are there... Are there things you'd uh, recommend people, you know, sim with similar kind of, uh, let's say, uh, outlooks about humanity, you know, things that have inspired you that have kind of uh, have helped you think and view the world the way you do, um, things to read, things to people to follow, people to uh, listen to? I mean, you've probably met some interesting people in your in your role as a in the in the space center with like you are there even local people like that you know we're not aware of that we should meet we should try to meet <laughs> meet and learn from everyone yeah right uh, and i know that's the cop-out answer um but 
I think it's true. I think that everyone provides something. That's Tori's mantra. (laughs) Right. Well, there you go. Like everyone has something, right? Um, Whether it's, you know, a five-year-old kid who comes in and wants to know whether or not his house would fit into a black hole. The answer is yes. Um, Or whether it's, you know, Carl Sagan or whether it's, you know, the smartest minds that the world has ever seen. Everyone has something to provide. Um, You know, gun to my head, if I had to pick, you know, if you want to learn more about whatever, Carl Sagan, it has to be Carl Sagan. Um, Read Cosmos, read Contact. Um, You know, he's absolutely phenomenal in his ability to put the grandeur of the universe into words. And that is an extremely difficult thing to do. Um, And he did it so seemingly effortlessly. Um, You know, even to this day, you know, it's crazy, especially and especially in this day where, you know, we're at this apex or (laughs) feel like the apex keeps getting more apex or as days go by. But, (laughs) you know, um, of this loss of faith in science, this loss of faith in, in evidence, in anything like that um you know a lot of people have coined it the post-truth era right um i think now more than ever voices like that are important to pay extra attention to um because these principles have guided us to be where we are why should we abandon them for the sake of you know self-satisfaction uh, and some will say, well, we only get one life. Why should you live it according to anyone else's rules? And yeah, sure. You know, do what you want, right? Um, I will, you know, I leave whatever you want to do up to you. Um, but this, I think, ties everything else together in that we are lucky to even be here to experience what we experience. And of course, not all of it is good, right? A lot of it is objectively horrible, Um but we can still experience it. And I think even then that is in itself a, a tiny little miracle might be a, you know, a crappy miracle, but it still is, I think. Um, so yeah, when it comes to people or things, you know, follow what you want, right. You know, of course, I hope that you follow things that are reputable and, you know, researched and kind, um, but explore what you want to explore. Right wherever that takes you. I think that's it. And if nothing inspires you, because I think we've all been there, just pick at random then, right? You know, libraries, Lord knows, I wish libraries had infinite money um, because I think they are, you know, such an important part of, 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 of modern society that we just don't look at anymore. Um, go to the library, you know, pick random books, open them up. And if you don't like the first five pages, put it back. Right. Um, but, you know, randomly choosing stuff, you, you never know what you might find. Right. Just in the same way that it's statistically improbable for any of us to exist. You might as well ride that wave of statistical improbability because you might find something you really like. And the odds of that are also, you know, statistically improbable. But, hey, we're here. Let's keep it going. Yeah. Uh, 
I love libraries too. Libraries are so since I love just like whenever I go to another city, I love just going to their libraries and <laughs> checking them out and getting a library card if I can. Um, Andrew, um, do you think you hold any? Uh, do you think you know anything to be true that other people might might be surprised about? Like, is there anything that you believe in that people could be surprised to find out about you? About me? Hmm. I don't know. It's about me. I don't know, I guess for all of, you know, the bluster, right? For all of the highfalutin big words um, that I like to use a lot of the time. Um, I'm extremely simple, right? You know, and I think a lot of us are at their core extremely simple. It's just a matter of figuring out the couple of basic things that satisfy you, right? Um yeah, you know, it doesn't take a lot to to entertain. I think that's a universal truth. If you're able to pinpoint these things, if you're able to, if you're lucky enough to find them, I think it's incredibly easy for any of us to be able to sit in that zone of entertainment, of contentment. Um, but yeah, you know, other truths, I'm not sure. Um, what do you like? If you want to, do you want him to say if he believes in ghosts or something? <laughs> <laughs> I to, mean, uh, you know, uh, with the um, just to quote, uh, I don't know if I, I think this is a paraphrase. I don't know if it's an actual quote, but when Voltaire was on his deathbed, he was asked to renounce the devil um, by by a priest, uh, and he said something along the lines of, "Well, I don't want to make any enemies now." Um. And that's kind of how I try to approach things, right? Like, you know, would it e be easy for me to be like, yeah, ghosts aren't real and you're stupid for believing in them? Sure. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. Right. You know, there are just things that our brains cannot comprehend. Right. Yeah. And the last thing I want to do is die and then immediately be like, oh, damn, ghosts are real as I kind of float through the ceiling. Um, right. So who knows? Right. And just that sounds like agnostic a about everything. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. You know, like I'm I'm. I, that's what I try to be, you know, we don't know. And if we ever figure it out, then, well, we can deal with it at that point. Um, but I'll keep myself open to most things, not everything, oh. but most things. Like I won't keep myself open to the idea of eating raw tomatoes. No, <laughs> that's just not it. They got to be cooked. Um, but most things I'll keep. But I'll you've keep explored it. At least. I have. And that's how I know. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, he's an empiricist. Uh, well, I mean, Andrew, I, I feel like yeah, we could talk talk with you for for a long time, and I think uh, I would personally like to. I, I'd like to be your friend and uh, and go see uh, lie lie down and look at the night sky sometime with you and just chat about the universe. You know, maybe we go see the total next total uh, solar eclipse together in, in April. That'd be pretty cool, actually. If you if you can find yourself a hotel room that hasn't been booked, you know, straight to high hell, uh, you let me know. <laughs> okay, I will. You know, uh, I'm definitely planning to go. Um, yeah. Any final uh, comments? Yeah, I mean, I'm just, uh, I just think, 
this has been so enjoyable for us. I really appreciate you taking the time. Andrew, you're, you're honestly just such a nice guy and so well-rounded. And I think at the beginning, you, you, you said that you, you tend to undersell yourself. And I think, uh, you, you do that very well because I, I think you, you have a beautiful mind and, um, you're somebody who is obviously very, uh, alive and very curious about our existence. And, you know, these are not conversations that, we're having every day with every person, you know? So it's, 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 uh, I'm really grateful that you are so willing to share, um, what's going on in your brain and, and spend this time with us. And I'd love to see you again, but it's just been, uh, fantastic to get to know somebody like you. And, and, um, you know, if you need anything from us at any point, just feel free to ask, we'd be more than happy to, to help in any way we could. So thanks for, for hanging out with us. <laughs> no, I, you know, like, you know, I'm grateful that there are people out there who, are willing to set aside, you know, an, an hour plus of their hard-earned free time to listen to, um, you know, people like me blab on about weird, vacuous things. Um, you know, I, I wish more people had time in their schedule to talk about weird, vacuous things. Um, I think that we'd all be a little bit better off if that were the case. Um, but yeah, no, thank you for, you know, taking the time to, to chat with me and, uh, and bearing with my weird scattered, uh, storytelling style. Um, you know, I do appreciate it a lot. Yeah. Uh, just like you said earlier, like just, uh, learn from everyone. And I think that's, uh, you're very inspiring and, and I think people will, uh, whoever listens will, will gain something, um, and gain whatever, you know, they want to gain from it, but I think that's uh that's a good sentiment to end on. Um yeah, thanks again for your time. We'll we'll chat soon. We'll be in touch, Andrew. And yeah, just very educational, very uh I, I loved it. It just in our in our short existence, it brought me so much joy and meaning to uh speak to you. So uh we'll hope to see you again soon. It means a lot. Thanks so much. Same to you guys. It's uh it's always good to chat with anyone you know, who will give you the time of day. Um, uh, you know, with modern society, it's becoming harder and harder to find people who will give you the time of day. So um, I do appreciate it. We'll and, chalk uh, this up the to best. the serendipity yeah. of consciousness. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. Take care. Have a good one. Take care, guys.